You will sleep better than you have ever slept. You've never been this relaxed. Are you ready to change your life? I'm Rusty Diamond, certified hypnotist. You don't need to leave your house. You can stay in your bed. You can stay in your favorite chair. You just need a computer or your phone. You can get a hold of me. Stay at home. I'll make your life better. Hypnosisisgrade.com It's Rusty Diamond, motherfucker. It's Rusty Diamond, motherfucker. Yo, man. Boom, Miss Rusty. What is up, everyone? It is Tuesday here on the Public Access Podcast, the podcast. Now the podcast because we're in Pennsylvania, PA state abbreviation. Welcome, everyone, and thank you for being here. Appreciate it very much. And to show that appreciation, I'm bringing on a guest that I had on. I don't know, maybe within the last year, a special guest. And I'm going to bring that special guest on right here, right now. And that special guest right here, right now is Nikki Von Ingen. Skrnow. Skrnow. Ah, Skrnow. 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 Ah, I I had it and... Uh, it's really hard, I know. I'm gonna get it. Uh, maybe, maybe next time I have you on, I'm gonna get it right better. Um, For sure. <laughs> um, so, yeah how how's everything going with you today? It, yeah. You're in my time zone. Yeah, exactly. I'm in Colombia right now, and uh, yeah, things have been crazy the last couple of months. It's been a real roller coaster. Um, I. Uh, bumped into someone at a party, a friend of mine uh, that I met in Tokyo, uh, where I've lived uh, for 10 years, messaged me out of the blue. And she said, uh, ADA is coming to Amsterdam. Uh, ADA stands for Amsterdam Dance Event. I know a lot of DJs. I'm coming to Amsterdam. Would you mind if I crash at your place for a bit while I'm in Amsterdam? Uh, for work and to go to ADA uh, and I can get you backstage access to some of the parties because I know a lot of the DJs so I said yeah sure fine um, you can you're always welcome to stay at my place come on you're my friends uh, friends are always welcome so she stayed yeah. over and she dragged me to one of the parties I met one of the DJs and we were at this party and I was backstage, which was fun, but I had this different impression of how it was going to be. I thought, oh, it's going to be an open bar and there are going to be a lot of fun people. And I'll get to talk to people. I get to network. It'll be fun. 
But I was there and there was this tiny basket with one bottle of tequila and a few packets of crisp. And that was all that was available. And uh, yeah, and everyone was like really, um, yeah, kind of haughty, like a little bit arrogant, like, oh, I'm, I'm so special. I'm too good for you. I'm not going to talk to you. So there, and I was really not feeling it. So I was turning around and was thinking about maybe leaving. And then this guy uh, came in from the other side, uh, approaching me. And uh, he asked me, do you want a cigarette? And uh, actually, I don't smoke. But since I was in such a foul mood, I was like, yeah, sure. Give me smoke. Fine. The night is already ruined, so I might as well smoke. So he gave me cigarettes and I uh, started smoking with him. And then one of the people that worked at the event came over to us and she was completely irate and started uh, cussing us out like, oh, what the fuck are you doing? You're not supposed to smoke here. You're, go- you're going to have to leave, la, la, la. And wow. uh, put out your cigarette right now. So we put out the cigarette and she was still like, no, you have to leave. You have to leave. So I was like, okay, fine, we'll leave. So I tried to grab my coat. She was like, no, you need to leave right now. So fortunately, I managed to convince her that I wasn't leaving without my coat. So I yeah. left with this guy. And um, uh, I didn't even know his name. I didn't know anything. And he was like, oh, yeah, just come to my place. It'll be fun. And uh, so I went to his place. Uh, we were both. Well, I wasn't really drunk, but he was. And um, so I crashed at his place. And I didn't, I I managed to wave goodbye to my friend, like, yeah, I'm leaving, bye. And I was supposed to meet her the next day for lunch. But I didn't really talk to her anymore after I left and went home with this guy. And uh, the next morning, I was looking for my phone in my bag, trying to text her to see, oh, where are you now? Are we still up for lunch? What's happening? So I have two phones. I have a Japanese phone because I live 10 years in Tokyo. And I have a Dutch phone because I now live in Amsterdam. So I put the Dutch phone aside and grabbed the Japanese phone, which I use most commonly to contact people. And I texted her like, oh, where are you? We're still on for lunch. What do you want to do? She's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. See you in half an hour. So I was like, oh, my God, I need to rush out the door to make it at the restaurant in time. So I got my stuff. I called an Uber to uh, get to the hotel where we initially met up to pick up the DJ. And um When I was at the hotel trying to find my car, I wanted to grab my other phone, my Dutch phone, because I used that one for navigation. So I was rummaging through my bag, trying to find my Dutch phone. And I was like, oh, my God, no. I left my Dutch phone at this guy's place. Oh, all right. I had his number. So uh, with my Japanese phone, I texted him like, hey, you know, I seem to have uh, forgotten my phone at your place. Uh, Would it be possible to come and pick it up at 
whatever time is convenient for you. But he was sleeping, so he was not responding to my messages. So I thought, okay, forget about it. I'm just going to go for lunch with my friend and I'll see what happens. So we went to lunch. I was still wearing my going out clothes, which were kind of a bit too sexy for a Michelin star restaurant. <laughs> and my hair was all over the place. So I looked like I was uh, a working girl or something, but I was like, ah, oh, what the hell? Who cares? I don't know these people anyway. So we went for lunch. And then after lunch, we went home. I went to sleep. And uh, the next day I tried again to text this guy like, hey, how are you? Uh, I seem to have forgotten my phone at your place. Can I come and pick it up? And he he texted back like, oh, yeah, I have friends staying over. So um, probably not today, but maybe uh, tomorrow or something you can come. And then <clears throat> I didn't manage to meet him to pick up my phone. So it was days and days and days. So we had the party on Thursday and on Tuesday, I still didn't have my phone. So by that time I was like, live it. Why the fuck do I still not have my phone? <laughs> so this is your phone in Amsterdam, your local yeah, phone. Yeah. My local phone. So it, but it was Tuesday and I thought, okay, I'll text him one more time. So I texted him. Hey, I'm going to ask you one more time in a friendly way, can I please have my motherfucking phone? <laughs> and uh, that's when he replied to me, like, yeah, yeah, sure. Do you want to come now? You can come and pick it up, la, la, la. So I said, okay, I'll be there in 30 minutes. And I just want my phone. No funny business. Just give me my phone and I'll be out of your hair. So I went to his house. He uh, opened the door and he was like, oh, you want to come in and have a drink? I was like, no, just give me the goddamn phone. He's like, okay, 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 here's your phone. Uh, can I maybe still call you or can we see each other? I was like, no, I don't want to ever see you again. I just want my bloody phone. And he's like, okay, okay, okay. Uh, but can I maybe still text you or something? Like, no, just give me the damn phone and I just never want to see you again. So he's like, okay, okay, fine, fine, fine. Here's your phone and I'm sorry that I couldn't give it to you earlier, blah, blah, blah. I said, okay, fine. So I got the phone. I went home. And uh, <clears throat> when I was home, he sent me one last message and he asked me, is there any way I can make up for what happened with your phone? This is not who I am. I feel super bad about what happened and having to let you wait so long for your phone. And I really want to do something to make it up. And if you, after that, never want to see me again, that's fine. But at least let me make up for this uh, blunder. So okay. I, gave it, I gave it some thought and I told him... Um, okay, there's this um, really uh, high-class restaurant that I want to go to for dinner. It's a Japanese restaurant. It's always book solid. Uh, so if you can manage to get a reservation for this restaurant, <coughs> I'm willing to give you another try. Uh, so wow. he came back to me and said, oh, no, the, I cannot get a reservation for this one. But I have a wonderful alternative. It's also like a really high class restaurant. I'll take you there. I'll pay for everything. Uh, would you accept that? 
So I was like begrudgingly, okay, fine, I'll go with you. So we went to this restaurant. We had a date. It was really fun. We talked all night. I cool. ended up spending the whole weekend with him. Wow. And, all right. And ever since then, I've been seeing him every weekend. And then at the end of November, so I met him at the end of October for ADA. And at the end of November, like one month later, he said, uh, I'm going to Colombia for about two months because he's Colombian to see my yeah. family for Christmas and New Year's. If you want, you can come and see me while I'm there because I'm going to have some time off as well. But you will need to purchase your own ticket and uh, make sure you get there by yourself. So I said, yeah, sure, fine, because I have my own company. Right. Uh, I organized guided tours in Japan and uh, December, January, February, that's the low season for us. So we don't get a lot of requests and I usually don't have that much to do. Hang on, I'm just going to take a sip. Okay. Uh, so so hmm? you're, you're down there. Are you like meeting his family uh, for Christmas and stuff like that? Are you? Yeah. So, you know, I said, yeah, sure. Fine. Um, give me uh give me my phone and I'll book a flight right now and he was really taken aback by that because he was not expecting me to act so swiftly like um how would you feel about going on a three week trip on the other side of the world with a guy you hardly know and meet his family and I was like yeah sure why not I'll do that so he was quite surprised that I immediately started to book my flights. And he was like, oh, okay, so that's happening. I said, yeah, sure. If you ask me to do something, I'll do it. I mean, why not? What's the worst that could happen? Well, I mean, prob probably maybe something. But uh, so it was, I mean, it was good. Uh, it seems like it was good if you went there. and it, So it's been... Two months now? You yeah. There? No, well, I uh, he went there uh, early December. And I came um, March, no, sorry, um, January 5th. Okay. So you've been there for almost a month? Yeah. Wow. Uh, it's been okay. crazy. So what's, what's that like? I mean, what's it like uh, being there? What's it like uh, jumping right in? Well, well, it was pretty crazy because um, on uh, New Year's Eve, um, I didn't hear from him. I didn't hear from him for like three days. And I was supposed to fly on January 5th or 4th. January 4th to go to Colombia. So for three days, I didn't hear anything. He didn't respond to my text. He didn't pick up the phone. It was like complete radio silence. So I I had no idea what was going on. And I was really freaking out. I was like, I'm about to fly like across the world to see this guy that I've just known for like a month or so. And he's totally 
seems like fallen off the face of the earth. And then one of his family members contacted me via Instagram, like, oh, we haven't talked to him in a few days. Would you happen to know where he is? Have you heard from him? So then I really started to freak out and I imagined him in the trunk of a car somewhere in Mexico or something like one of those hangover stories like oh my god he's been kidnapped or he's lying in a ditch somewhere or something or other yeah holy so, shit so yeah so, so I well, I yeah. I flew over to uh uh Borga and then uh, Cartagena so just in case I booked a hotel for a few nights because I was like I'm not even sure what's happening here. I might eat, might not even see him when I'm there, you know, like I'm going in completely blind. Yeah. And uh, fortunately, I was able to uh, talk to him in the end and he was like, oh, I'm so sorry. I was just uh, really wasn't feeling well. So uh, my phone ran out of battery and I was just sleeping for the past few days because I was feeling so sick. And I was like, yeah, but, you know, I didn't know what was going on. So, you know, um, a heads up would have been nice. Right. So it, it was like the when you lost your phone, it was like sort of the same same sort of deal. Yeah, kind of, kind of. Just, okay. Except I guess you weren't flying <laughs> to another country um, at that time. Mm-hmm. and. So I would, did you have to tell the customs people like would, you know, so do you tell them that you're staying in the hotel then? Do they uh, ask? Yeah. I mean, uh, when I arrived in, uh, uh, at the first airport in, uh, Boroka, I was able to talk to him and everything was fine. And then, um, uh, yeah, by the time I arrived, everything was okay. And we saw each other and, it was great so uh cool okay and ever since then we just uh have been having a great time we've traveled to uh, we went to parties in Cartagena and we traveled to uh what was it Saint Saint Marta or something a coastal area where there's a lot of kite surfers and um yeah, it's been really great, and I've met his family, and uh, we've been having so much fun together. Uh, a little bit too much fun, because last weekend, uh, I was supposed to fly back to Amsterdam. We ended up going to party, and we partied a bit too hard. It uh, turned out to be really late, and uh, I missed my flight back to Amsterdam, so now I'm still in Colombia. Oh. And- but uh, I mean, it feels really nice. like I've known him all my life, and um, that's yeah, way cool. It's and been really amazing. So, what what's going to happen when you go back, or are you going to go back? Are you just like I, I'm good uh, now? Yeah, I'm yeah, just... yeah. I'm definitely going back. I just need to see when. Uh, so probably in the next two weeks, I imagine. Okay. Um, then in March, I'm flying back to Tokyo. And uh, uh, when I'm in Tokyo, I'm just go- I'm going to work. 
So I'm going to help out my guides with the guided tours because I offer guided tours in Tokyo and other cities around uh, Japan. But it's been so crazy busy. I mean, last year was like crazy already with the number of bookings we received. But this year it's even worse. So we're being inundated with people trying to... um, book us so I just need to chip in and do my part and um, uh, do the tours myself as well because we simply don't have enough people to uh, to do it so yeah I'm just going to go back in two weeks stay in Amsterdam for a bit and then fly to Tokyo and uh, stay there until the end of summer do the tours and then fly back to Amsterdam, and then I can finally relax a little bit again. But well, yeah. What are you going to do then, when you can finally relax? Yeah, so I take a breath. And uh, I mean, I also write uh, personalized guidebooks. Uh, and I am working on a story uh, that's loosely based on my life from the time that I met my ex-husband uh, who happens to be Japanese until uh, me going back to Amsterdam um, because that's how I ended up in Japan in the first place. I was on a dating website. I was just uh, thinking, oh, I'm just going to meet some guys for fun just to talk for an hour, have some lunch and then never see them again. And then I thought, oh, there's this uh, profile of a Japanese guy, but it's in, completely in Dutch. And so he apparently he's not an expat because otherwise his profile would be in English. So he must have a really interesting backstory, how he came to the Netherlands and how he's able to speak Dutch so well. Um, so I didn't have any second thoughts like, um, I really like this guy or think we might end up together or anything like that I just thought oh we're just going to meet have lunch talk about Japan because I know absolutely nothing about Japan I didn't initially find him very attractive either I was just like yeah we'll just have lunch and then never see him again and um, we ended up having lunch and he was really into me he really liked me and he was like oh you know uh Let's go out together. So after two days, he gave me the keys to his house, two dates. Uh, and he was like, yeah, you can come whenever you want. And after two months, he said to me, why don't you move in with me? I was 29 at the time. I was like, oh, time is ticking. He's really into me. I might not meet anyone in the immediate future that likes me the way he likes me. Uh, so maybe I should just go for it because my mom was always that voice like you should find someone who likes you more than you like him because if you like him more uh, than he likes you then it's not going to work out and the, the guy will not want the same things you want so I thought oh maybe I should just give it a try and then after five years of living with him he was like oh why don't we go to Japan for two three years and that's how I ended up in Japan. So, you know, I mean, uh, I guess I'm a bit of a um, spontaneous person who is uh, 
up for something new. Me too. But uh, at least it gave me the opportunity to start my own business, to start Tokyo Tours. And I now have 50 guys working for me. In March, we'll have our 11th anniversary. And oh, we just congratulations. Won. Thank you. Yeah, and we just won a prize for um, uh, Best Bespoke Tour Guide Company in Japan for 2023. So cool. yeah, we've been doing great. Holy shit. Um, and so then it's just during the summer months, you're going to focus and uh, not focus, but like that's the main focus of the time that people are coming in for uh, tourist type uh, activities. Yeah. Basically the season is from March uh, until November approximately with okay. the peaks in uh march april may and then june it's usually a bit more quiet because it's a rainy season and then july august is when all the families come who have uh summer holidays with their kids and then uh september october november is when people come for the autumn season and then usually december it quiets down quite a bit, and then January and February are usually really, really slow. So and, I don't want to sp- yeah. spend too long in Japan. So I said, okay, March until uh, July, because um, I had a daughter with my ex-husband. Okay, um, she's nine right now, and wow. she's living in Tokyo. So. Uh, I'm also going there so I can see her a bit more because, um, yeah, contacting her and uh, checking in on how she's doing from Amsterdam is really hard with the time difference. I mean, we're in totally different time zones. We're uh, thousands and thousands of miles apart. So uh, that's another reason why I'm going to Tokyo, so I can uh, spend some more time with her. And we're trying to figure out what to do uh, because before the, this month is over, we need to decide, is she going to stay for another school year in Tokyo or is she coming back to Amsterdam? Um, my personal preference would be to get her back to Amsterdam. That's why I'm staying until July. So I'm thinking if she wants to go back with me, then uh, during the summer break, she can fly back and she can live with me in Amsterdam. So that's another thing we're trying to figure out. Because, you know, Japan, I don't know if you know much about the culture, but Japan is really about rules, following the rules, you're not supposed to have your own opinion. You need to do what other people tell you to do. You need to be loyal. You need to uh, be a good worker. You need to not complain about anything. You need to not have your own thoughts and just step in line, goose step like one of those little soldiers. And that's when you can be successful. And uh, I mean, there are benefits to that because... Japanese people are very disciplined and well organized. So she's been living in Japan for the past year and a half, approximately. So it's been good for her to experience that type of discipline and that type of uh, methodology. 
and to learn to be more responsible and to learn to uh yeah follow the rules and be part of a community but i think it's time for her to come back to amsterdam and be a bit more free spirited like free thinker to develop her own opinion and to be able to voice that opinion and uh yeah mature a bit more without being so constrained by Japanese society where you're not really allowed to do anything at all except look at the person above you and see what they want and what they expect from you and uh, abide by those um, values. And so has your daughter, she ever lived in uh, Amsterdam or has Um, she lived in Tokyo the whole time? No, no. She lived in Amsterdam twice so back in 2018, uh, my ex-husband had um, accepted a job in Europe and we were supposed to move back. Uh, my mom had been diagnosed with um, cancer at the time and was in stage four. So they told oh, wow. her, you will have three months left to live. So that was another reason why I wanted to come back to Europe to be there for her. And um, my daughter and I, we moved back and we stayed at my parents' place for a bit so I could take care of my mom and my dad as well because he was really fell to pieces because of the whole uh, situation. Because they've been together for more than 50 years. She was the love of his life. Uh, so yeah, to see her suffering like that is super hard. Um, so basically, um, I moved back to the Netherlands. My husband was going to come a few months later because he needed to, uh, let the new guy kind of find his way. And then, um, so I came in June and then in October, I was supposed to come back to arrange the move. And then he was like, oh, yeah, you know, it's off. I was like, what do you mean it's off? Yeah, I'm not going to move to Netherlands anymore. I was like, what do you mean? Our daughter's already started school and everything. And uh, he was like, oh, yeah, I messed up. Uh, This guy I hired, it turns out to be he's not suitable for the job. So he's not able to do it. So now I don't have the budget to hire someone else because we still need to pay him. Um, so then uh, he said, oh, you can you can come back to Tokyo next month. And I said, oh, no, I'm not going to do that because first of all, I need to take care of my parents. And second of all, I can't just grab my daughter and put her back into school in Japan. It doesn't work that way. So I'm willing to come back to Tokyo, but you need to give me a year to get everything sorted. So in the meantime, my mom passed away. My dad was literally gone to pieces because of that. So I lived with him for one year, trying to take care of him, trying to rebuild his life and trying to get him to accept the fact that he was going to continue as a single person. Um, And then at the end of that year, we went back to Tokyo. Unfortunately, when it was time for me to go back to Tokyo at the airport, he told me we're never going to see each other again. 
And uh, at that time, I thought he was just being melodramatic, you know, like, oh, we've been together for a year. I'm so distraught over the fact that you're moving back. So I don't... uh, uh, I'm just... This is how I'm feeling. That's why I'm I'm saying this. That's that's what I thought. Uh, But it turned out he was right. So within two months of me going back to Tokyo, it turned out uh, he passed away as well. So within two months, I was back in the Netherlands arranging his funeral and clearing out his house and everything. Uh, wow. But yeah, and then then I was back in Tokyo in 2019 to pick up my life again after the failed move. And uh, yeah, and then... Uh, it was the end of 2019 and then COVID happened. So yeah, <laughs> that was a nice surprise. It was supposed to be the best year ever because of the Olympics um, happening in oh, Tokyo. Yeah. And it turned so... out... hmm? oh, go ahead. Yeah, it uh... turned out to be the worst year ever. So my daughter uh, lived in uh, the Netherlands for one year together with me uh, back in 2018. Uh, but she was really young. She was only... She was three when we arrived and she was four when we left. So she doesn't really have any clear memories of that time. And then in 2020, halfway through 2020, I felt like, oh, I really don't want to live in Tokyo anymore. And my marriage wasn't going great. So... That's when I told my husband, you know, I just want to go move back to Amsterdam and get a divorce. So initially, my daughter went back with me to Amsterdam and lived with me. So from 2021, because she still needed to finish out the school year, uh, to the summer of 2022, that's when she lived with me in Amsterdam. But, you know... COVID was still going on, so I couldn't really do a lot. A lot. Uh, my business was uh, com- completely gone to pieces because I focused mostly on foreign tourists coming to Japan, wanting to do a guided tour with us. Right. Um, so, uh, yeah, I didn't really have any opportunities. I didn't have any money. I basically had to start from scratch again. My ex-husband wasn't very supportive in terms of uh, money. So financially, he wasn't really helping me much. He was like, yeah, uh, I need you to be financially independent within two months because I'm not going to keep supporting you. So yeah, really stressful and difficult time. So yeah, of course she picked up on that. She picked up on me not feeling great. She had been moving back and forth between the Netherlands and Japan for the past few years. She witnessed the deterioration of my marriage. So yeah, it was for her, it was really hard as well. And she had this magical thinking like oh Tokyo was where I was most happy so all I need to do to be happy again is just to move back to Tokyo and then all the pieces will fall back into place and I will feel happy again 
So then when my ex-husband came to Amsterdam to see her and spend some time with her and promised her golden mountains, like, oh, everything is going to be amazing. All you need to do is come and live with me in Tokyo. No. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to give you everything you always wanted and it's going to be amazing. So she was like, yeah, one-on-one is two. That's an easy choice. I just need to go back to Tokyo. So that's when she decided to move back. And I was at the time like, you know, maybe it's a good decision. Maybe I need some time for myself to rebuild my life and to figure out who I am. Because, you know, my parents had just passed away. My business was basically bankrupt. Uh, so I was in a kind of identity crisis myself. Like, who am I? I'm no longer a daughter. I'm no longer a wife. I'm no longer a business owner. So I was feeling really bad. So I thought, yeah, maybe it's good if she spends some time away from me with someone who's a bit more stable and better able to take care of her than I am able to. So I let her go thinking if at any point she wants to come back, the door is always open and I'll try to make it work. So basically that's where we're at right now. Uh, she's kind of uh, figuring things out where she wants to live because, you know, there's no perfect solution for her. If she's in Amsterdam, she's going to miss her dad. She's going to miss her friends. She's going to miss the life she had there. And if she's in Tokyo, she's going to miss me and she's going to miss the family she has in the Netherlands. So there's just no one solution that encompasses everything and that makes everything perfect again. It's always going to be shitty in one way or another. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I mean, so like, where does that leave you? Where, where, do, where, who, who are you? Is that what you're figuring out now? Or what have you kind of gotten with that part? Uh, well, I've uh, been doing uh, intense therapy for uh, the um, last few years. So when my daughter was leaving, I uh, did uh, started therapy. And that has helped me a lot to figure things out because I've always been a people pleaser uh, my mom was a classic narcissist. I didn't realize that at the time, but growing up with an absent father who just wanted to get out of my mom's way and a mom who was very domineering and always uh, tried to manipulate me emotionally, that's what I was drawn to because I thought like, oh, that that's my place in life. It doesn't really matter what I want. All I need to do is just uh, accept uh, what other people want and try to live up to their expectations and do the best I can. And I should derive my happiness from making other people happy. So when all of that fell away, because I always learn to focus on someone else so first it was my mom then it was my husband then it was my daughter and all I did was like focus on making them happy and then right. when even my daughter was no longer in the picture I was like 
oh my god it feels so weird and so unsettling and like what do i want never in my life had there ever been a moment where i needed to figure out who am i what do i want how can i be happy without making other people happy so basically that's what i've been trying to figure out and i must admit it still feels a bit awkward when people ask me so uh what do you want how do you feel what do you want to do so my initial response is still to kind of focus on the other person like oh so fine with me just uh whatever you want so i'm trying to deprogram myself and try to learn not to do that anymore and try to really think yeah what do i want and it's okay and i if i want something that doesn't automatically mean i'm disappointing someone else because that's how it feels to me you know yeah if i claim any space for myself or if i claim anything for me or if I even voice my own thoughts or own feelings it feels like I'm disappointing other people and that feels like I'm not entitled to do that so it's still a bit like uh, unheimlich how they say in German a bit um, awkward to do that but I'm trying to do it more and more I'm trying to uh voice my opinion more and more unfortunately the guy that i've met the colombian guy he's very much supportive of me and he's a good um judge of character and he immediately can see in my face like you're you're not really doing this because you want this i can see it in your face admit it and i'm like um uh, i guess you're right (laughs) and then he's like come on, you need to be honest. What is it that you truly want? So he is really helping me to get to a place where I feel comfortable uh, doing that. So that has been also extremely helpful. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm trying to figure out who I am. I'm more comfortable being who I am and, and being in myself, so to speak, if that makes sense. Yeah the yeah being my own person without projecting everything onto someone else because that's what I've always been doing and I'm trying to not do that which is really really hard but uh yeah I'm trying to live my own life finally so so how did that feel then kind of finding out these things like once the those things were said to you like saying uh, that, you know, to be able to find out who you are or finding out that, you know, that you, you do things because of whatever. And you know, this now was, did it feel like, I don't know, did it help you out um, knowing that stuff or was it, you kind of had to step back for a minute or what happened there? Well, I mean, the first step is to realize what you're doing and to recognize your behavior. And once you've done that, uh, you can slowly start to build on to trying something new. But having lived this life and having been responding in this way in these type of situations for all my life, 
it's super hard to try to do something new. So at first it's super frustrating because you know what you're doing is quote unquote wrong, or at least it's no longer uh, serving you or it's no longer a type of behavior you want to um, act out, but you don't yet have the tools to do anything else. So every time I got into this situation and I could recognize what was going on and I could see that I was falling back into the old pattern and doing all the things that I always done before, but unable to escape from it and unable to do so, try something new. So that was a really, really frustrating time for me. Like, I see what I'm doing. I don't want to do it, but I still am doing it because I don't know what else to do. And it just... But- doesn't feel no. safe to try something else but you are trying something else though yeah exactly you, you are so, trying mm-hmm. to do something else which yeah, is so, doing something oh, yeah sorry. so slowly slowly uh with therapy i learned how to deal with intrusive thoughts um and to learn to no longer self-sabotage and to um challenge my own thoughts like any thought that starts with always never can't uh, those are intrusive thoughts so those are uh, objectively not um, quote-unquote real so if you have thoughts like uh, I'll never be able to do that I I'm a bad person, I can't possibly, Uh, then you need to challenge yourself and um, ask yourself things like, if one of my best friends would say this, how would I respond? Would I agree with them? Like, yeah, you are actually, you are a shitty person. Or actually, I'm, I agree with you that you'll never be able to do that. Or, um, I agree with you that it's always going to be this way. So by thinking these thoughts, you can challenge yourself and you can think like, no, actually that's wrong. I'm not this type of person. I'm not unable to do these things. I'm not always going to respond in this way. So, and then the next uh, step is to try to think, to make a list of things Uh, that you can do instead so when I'm having these thoughts what what can I think instead to try and snap me out of it so uh, everyone is different so everyone responds in a different way so what works for me doesn't necessarily have to work for other people but um, yeah what works for me is to just go for a walk clear my mind try to make sense of the situation and uh, um, try to reflect on what's happening and uh, try to think of a better way to deal with the situation instead. So when I'm having intrusive thoughts like, oh my God, uh, no one's ever going to like me. I'm a terrible person. I'm a bad mom. I'm a bad business owner. I, I can't do all these things. Then I'm like, no, let's snap out of it, kind of metaphorically slap myself in the face. Uh, Let's get some fresh air. Let's go for a walk and uh, let's figure this shit out because uh, 
you're having intrusive thoughts and we need to figure this stuff out and see what is the next step and we can do this we just need to be rational and stop panicking and stop going into this downward spiral but uh, yeah it's hard I mean once you go there it's so easy to kind of get dragged into that abyss but um, one of the things that really helped me was to do uh, therapy for uh, emotion uh, regulation and during this type of therapy they taught me that there's basically five levels that you have so everyone is at any given time at one of these levels and one is I'm super chill, I'm super relaxed, I can do anything, I'm just myself, Uh, there's no stress, no pressure, nothing, nothing going on. And level five is I'm spiraling out of control, I'm in such a bad state that I'm unable to um, control myself anymore and I'm just acting on impulse and there's nothing I can do. So these are the two extremes. So on any given moment in time, you are in one of these levels. And up to level three, you're still able to think clearly and maintain yourself. But once you go from three to four, it becomes really, really hard to have clear, rational thoughts and to rein yourself in and try to not act on impulse. And when you're on level five, basically, uh, you're not able to respond clearly anymore. And that's when you're just uh, left to your uh, emotions. And so, you're also not able to take anything in. Yeah, exactly. So no matter what people say, you're just going to uh, react on impulse and on emotion. So you're going to blow up. You're going to be super angry. You're going to cry. You're going to make it can also be a positive emotion like you're you're so enthusiastic, you're so hyped, you're not thinking clearly about consequences and you're just doing something out of impulse. Right. Uh, So basically that are the five steps. So when you're still on level three, when you're still able to think clearly, that's when you need to reflect and think, is this really what I want to do? Is there any other way I can react? How can I bring myself down to level two or level one and to kind of diffuse the situation? So let's say you're at level four, level five, and you know that taking a walk is good for you. And someone else suggests to you, you should go take a walk. Mm -hmm. Do you think that would piss you off or do you think that would be a a good thing yeah if you are on level four or five you're basically not able to take anything in anymore and whatever whatever people say to help you is just going to piss you off even more and just going to uh, annoy you so like you try to not let it get to level four or five so when you're at level three you need to Take out your tools, your toolbox, and try yeah. to figure out how am I feeling? What's going to work in this situation? Do I need to um, 
take a cold shower? Do I need to take a walk? Do I need to turn on some music to uh, bring me down? Do I need to uh, do something creatively? Do I need to write some stuff down? Do I need to call a friend? What do I need in this moment to get me back to level two or level one even? Yeah, because I mean, because someone could say like, uh, you know, hey, you need to, uh, you just need to relax. You just need yeah, to chill out. Just relax. Just, just oh, relax. Yeah, you just relax. Uh, just take a few deep breaths or something. But it's like, it's really good advice. But like at that time, it, you're there, there's no, nothing really you can do. And it's just sort of, you either have to wear yourself out or realize it that you just need to get out and do whatever it is you need to do. But yeah, yeah once you get to that, those higher levels, it does. Yeah. Like once you're at three, that's a good time. So like, what are some, things at level three kind of to be looking out for so you don't get up to level four or five well when you are at level three you start to feel the anxiety building up and maybe you'll start to have intrusive thoughts and that's when you need to realize i'm not my thoughts and that's when you need to um challenge those thoughts and see, is it really true what I'm thinking right now? So like, um, I have terrible imposter syndrome. I think anything I do is either mediocre at best, or if someone gives me a compliment, then obviously they're a bad judge of character and a bad uh, judge of um whatever it is they're complimenting or they're just saying something because they think that's what I want to hear. So when I start having those thoughts, for instance, I need to challenge myself and need to think, is there any other alternative suggestion for what you're thinking right now? Could it be that this person is really genuine and thinks that whatever it is you've been doing is really fucking great? I mean, you are looking at it from your perspective and maybe they have a different level of greatness or uh, they have different qualities and they really admire what you do because they're not able to do what you do. So try to challenge your thoughts. Like, um, can I look at it from a different perspective? Can I look at it in a different way? And uh, yeah, I mean, this this is, of course, super hard because this going from one thought to the next is like split second. And it's so ingrained in your personality and it's so ingrained in your normal way of doing things that it's really hard to rein yourself in before that happens and say, no, this is not what I want to do. Let's try and do something different. Yeah. And so, I mean, yeah, has that helped out then quite a bit? Or have you, I mean, you still, I don't know. Like, I, I feel like I, I've still got, like, sometimes to those four and fives, even yeah. though I'm thinking about it. And then it's just like, shit, like, I'm already here now. I, I'm, I might as well. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of screwed right now, but I'm trying. I know it. I know I'm screwed. I know why. Yeah, well, I feel that um, 
writing about it when you're still at level one or two or three is really helpful. So um, if you are at level one or two, to imagine yourself being at level four or five and to kind of brainstorm for yourself, like, what can I do when I, I'm having these intrusive thoughts? Because a lot of the intrusive thoughts that you have are reoccurring. So usually you have a, like a couple, like around five or so that keep coming back in, t- in different situations. So imagine yourself in this type of situation and imagine what type of intrusive thoughts you're going to have in that situation. And just compile a list of things when you're feeling calm and relaxed that you can say to yourself to kind of negate that situation and try to get you to not go to level four or five and try to not go into destructive behavior and try to not um, go there or try to figure out different ways like okay when I'm feeling like that let's brainstorm and come up with five things I can do to uh, get myself to calm down and to not blow up or to not go into that destructive behavior and it feels really awkward and it when you're doing it it feels like it's not going to help and it's not going to um do anything anyway but it's practice like my therapist says your feelings take a long time to um change so even though you know rationally what you need to do your feelings are not going to be on the same level yet so it's kind of like riding a bike you just need to do it day by day by day and then slowly you start to go there but it's not going to be like an overnight thing like okay I know this is what I'm doing wrong I know this is what I need to do to not do this wrong thing so one and one is two and from now on I'm never going to do anything wrong again it just doesn't work that way so it takes a lot of practice and a lot of determination and a lot of sacrifice uh, to slowly build up to that point where you will hopefully not fuck up as much as you used to do. And then, so then when you're writing stuff uh, or anything of that, is that where it's, what's going into your book that you're working on? Mm-hmm. Is that part of it then as well? Uh, no, basically the book that I'm writing, it's a fictional story. It's uh, based on okay. my life. Um, I have two characters, the protagonist, uh, me, but with a different name. And then uh, I pick up the story from the time that I first go on a date with my ex-husband. And I'm going to change the ending because... Uh, the way my life went wasn't that um how should i say uh yeah it, it took quite a while for my happy ending to occur so i'm i'm changing it a bit so uh the happy ending comes a bit earlier okay <laughs> and, and also not to offend the people in my life too much that uh actually lived through all this um, so yeah, I'll, I'll probably insert some life lessons here and there, but it's mostly just meant for entertainment purposes. Okay. Yeah. And so like when you're writing it then, is it, 
are you are you writing it out like on on paper uh like something like that or you you writing it on the computer or a typewriter or a stone and chisel <laughs> or uh to be honest i uh occasionally ask for help from chat gpt when i'm a bit stuck um good idea and uh, especially for the introduction i uh find it really hard to get going and once i'm there when the ball is rolling i can pick it up from there so i i asked chat gpt to help me get started and to get like um uh outline for the book and kind of like a small synopsis of uh what it is i want to do for each chapter chapter and then um with that help I can formulate uh, what I want to do for each chapter and write it out so that's actually been very helpful and it just use uh, word and cool. uh, um, because it's easier to see how many pages do I have for this chapter how many words do I have for this chapter to kind of get an idea is this chapter maybe too short or is it too long if it's too long uh, let's go over it again and see where I can take things out. Am I maybe rambling a bit too much because I'm very well known to do that? Or am I leaving important stuff out that makes it impossible for the reader to understand where I'm getting from? And that's basically how I've been uh, doing it. Are you having someone else looking at it to kind of... Because uh... I feel like that's what that would happen with me. I'd be like, sometimes like when I tell stories... It's like I, I'm thinking like I'm already there and I, I know all this stuff. And like, so I started looking, I'm like, well, I, yeah, I guess I left out a few major points that probably would help out uh, people understand the story. Some, um, or is it, is it in your, uh, all in your head and uh, as a, or, let's see. Yeah. You're in uh, Chad GPT's, uh, working together plan of uh see yeah. now now I'm lost yeah yeah I know what you mean uh no I'm going to ask uh several people to read it and give me feedback um I have a couple of friends um that are in my close circle that I know who will be honest with me and give me their honest opinion so I'm definitely going to do that and ask them uh, just be brutal with me. And if there's anything you don't understand or anything that you feel is crap, just give me the honest truth and I will uh, make adjustments accordingly. Uh, so, yeah, when the book is completely finished, I will ask for feedback from friends. And I also have an editor that I can ask to um go through it again but I'm kind of leaning towards self-publishing because it's actually quite easy to do that so you, if you uh, are good with Canva or another program that does um, uh, digital design you can easily uh, turn your book into PDF and then self-publish on uh, Amazon or Barnes and Nobles or other platforms that uh, allow for you to self-publish. Uh, Amazon so KDP is real easy. Hmm? 
Amazon KDP um, is the Kindle direct publishing. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's super easy, and it like it, you, it'll tell you what kind of format you need to use to put it all together. Um, so, I mean, w- once you get, I mean, the writing is the and editing. I guess editing is going to probably be the the hard part. But uh, w- once you get to the publishing part, that's not entirely difficult no um, exactly because as a first first time author uh i already know that if you want to go through a publishing house they're going to offer you crap because you're not a well-established name and even if you write the most amazing story they're still not going to um they're still going to be very um careful with how much time and effort and uh, marketing and money they're going to throw your way yeah Um, and and once you've already established a reputation and a name for yourself and once you've already proven that you can sell uh, then it's a completely different story and a completely different ballpark and then uh it's much better to go with a publishing house if you want to really um bring out um like a, a book in a book and mortar type place so like uh, if you want yeah. your do a book tour and everything then yeah then it's better to go with a publisher but you first need to build on your name and your recognition and establish yourself before you can do that in my opinion at least because otherwise uh even if it turns out you're selling great then the publisher is going to take all the money and all the credit and you're going to be left with nothing so that's the way i want to i plan on moving forward and it's print on demand uh also with amazon so i mean you're not stuck if with a bunch of books maybe in your your place like sitting around like you have like boxes and boxes of your book um until it sells, you know, if with it being print on demand, someone just orders it, Amazon puts it and you don't even see it. I mean, which is a, a cool thing um, right now. So um, yeah, I, I hope that gets, that gets going and gets, uh, gets out there yeah, into exactly. the world. Yeah, exactly. Because I, I also have another book idea because um, one of I met a new friend two years ago, a girl, and uh, she lived in Shanghai for 10 years. And uh, we've been comparing notes about Shanghai and about Japan um, and about the Netherlands and Amsterdam. So uh, I've told her a lot of stories about Japan and all of the intricacies about Japanese culture Um because Japan is so totally different from any other country or any other culture culture, and the way they do things like what is a Japanese wedding like? What is dating like in Japan? What is working life like in Japan? What is school life like in Japan? It's so totally uh, like alien to the rest of the world. So she, every time I tell her one of those stories she's like oh my god you should write a book about this this is so great i never knew this uh, the way you tell things is so incredibly interesting so 
definitely that's the new book I want to publish after I um, publish this novel to mostly just write about Japan and all the intricacies and all the life experiences I've had there, uh, but more from a cultural aspect rather than uh, a romantic uh, fictional story. All right. And yeah, so then, then where can people find you, your work, uh, anything of that sort? Yeah, well, if they're interested in uh, learning more about the book, they should follow my personal Instagram account. Uh, that's Nikki, N-I-C-K-I uh, underscore Amsterdam. Um, because that's where I publish everything about my private life, uh, what I've been doing. And then I have my business accounts uh, at Tokyo Tours. That's T-O-K-I-O and then Tours, T-O-U-R-S. Um, so that's my business Instagram account. Uh, you can follow me on the under the same name on Facebook. Uh, so Nikki van Ingenschena on Facebook or uh, at Tokyo Tours on Facebook. I'm on TikTok, but only on my business account, Tokyo Tours. Um, and uh, what else? Uh, yeah, of course, my websites. I have tokyotours.nl or tokyotours.com if people want to uh, book a tour with us. Uh, and if they have any travel-related questions or if they're interested in a personalized guidebook, um, I help people with that. I help people with itineraries. I write itineraries. I do travel consulting. So I, I help people figure out uh, what hotels to stay, how to plan their trip, uh, what to do once they're there, uh, that kind of thing. So yeah, please DM me, email me, hit me up. And I'm happy to help. Excellent. Well, all right, Nikki, thank you so much for being on again. And yeah, I'll get you back hopefully sooner than last, I think it was a year or so, somewhere in there. Yeah, um, that's great. Get, get, excellent. Yeah, yeah, we'll do that then. Um, cool. Well, yeah, thank you very much. And uh, go uh, go enjoy Colombia because yeah. why, why, why not? Yeah, yeah it's well. been amazing. I can really recommend it to everyone. All the stories that you've ever heard about Colombia, about drugs and about crime and about it not being safe are completely untrue. Colombia is super safe. The people are incredibly friendly, incredibly warm and open and helpful. So just use your common sense. Don't do anything that you wouldn't do in your own home city. And you're completely safe and uh, you're going to have the most amazing experience ever. Cool. All right. So next you can be uh, a uh, ambassador to uh, Colombia or something, yeah. maybe the next part of your life. Um, yeah, for sure. Who knows? <laughs> cool. All right. Well, have a great day. We'll we'll talk soon. Thank you. Bye. You're welcome. Bye. All right. So that's Nikki von Ingen Skreinau. Ingen Skreinau. I said it well earlier so i'm gonna try to again so uh von ingen scray now that's it that's her tokyo tours.com tokyo with an i t-o-k-i-o tours or tokyo tours.nl for netherlands so thank you everyone for listening to the 
Public Access Podcast on the Rusty Diamond Podcast Network, and that is the show, man. Boom! It's Rusty Diamond, motherfucker. It's Rusty Diamond, motherfucker.